The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. All right, welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Orvitz, and uh, Glenn, welcome. Um, we've got a big one here. It has to do with the banking system, and I think that's something that is on a lot of people's minds nowadays, especially with what's happened recently. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think your goal here is to do this over two parts because it's quite a bit. So starting with the U.S. banking system and then moving on next week, I guess, to the Federal Reserve yeah. and how all that works. Yeah. Fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. It, but I think it'll be enlightening and um, really help the listeners have a better understanding because the more that we know, the more that we can make informed and educated decisions. So that was kind of the um, the thought behind doing that show. And, and the other thing I was going to say is we've been doing a lot of client meetings um, and probably the last 15 of them, I'll ask, hey, do you do you know how the banking system works? And they kind of look at me and go, mm, kind of. And so um, I explained to them kind of all the ins and outs. They're like, oh, okay, now this is making sense with maybe some of the recent um, banking troubles that we've seen on the news. So um, yeah, I think it'd be a great, great topic to explore more. What banking troubles? I, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> any. Yeah, well, it's been a few. Yeah, yeah, there, there's absolutely been a, been a few. And um, so you want folks to learn more about the the monetary system and and um, one of the most important things out there. So I guess the simple place to start, Glenn, is what is the U.S. banking system? Maybe give us all the nuts and bolts on that Uh, as best you can. (laughs) Yeah, it's really just a framework, uh, financial institutions that um, provide a variety of services to individuals and businesses. They take in deposits, they make loans, um, they do investments. Um, and really that kind of just sums it up. They, you know, bunch of different financial, uh, services that they offer and a um, bunch of different banks. I mean, in every town, there's probably like 10, 15 banks, you know, there's quite a few, so yeah. they're everywhere. And then we'll, we'll get in next week to the, the federal reserve system, um, and, and go over that a bit. Um, so it takes the deposits from its customers, right? Yep. And yep, that's one of their functions. That's one of the functions. And then. And keep it they safe, make, right? That's the idea, right? Is they take the deposit. Well, you, so you would hope. So it's safe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to have a six figures of cash somewhere at your house. That's probably going to make you nervous. Um, so you, you give it to a bank, and they also provide some security, um, or at least protection from someone coming in stealing it. Yeah. Um, what you're probably alluding to is a whole other subject. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keeping it so Because they loan out, they loan out the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess talk about that a bit. Yeah, so... I think that's the one area when I ask uh, people about that they're really probably the most unfamiliar with is uh, how banks function in that capacity. So they call it fractional reserve banking. And what that means is um, each bank has a uh, reserve requirement, meaning what percentage of that deposit you just made do they have to keep on hand available? So say you deposit $100 into your local bank and their uh, reserve requirements 10%. So that means they only have to keep $10 uh, on hand at the bank um, or you know on their books and they can line uh, loan out the other 90% or they can invest the other 90% or $90. So um, 
yeah, you have that $90 and say another person comes in and you say, I'm going to loan you $90 uh, and here's $90 and you charge them interest. That's how they make money. And then that person takes their 90 that they just got loaned and deposit it back into the bank. And now the bank can loan out on that again as well. So uh, it sounds can, like it could grow uh-huh. exponentially. Yeah. 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 That's where, <laughs> that's where the, it starts to get complicated. So in that last scenario, that person that deposited $90, you can then loan out 81. And then the next customer, if they deposit the money right back into your bank, you can loan out and you'll have to keep 10% on reserve. So on 81, that's, um, what is that? Uh, $74 ish, 73. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. (laughs) You can see they just keep doing that over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the important thing to, to recognize is what is that fractional reserve for that particular bank. And, um, cause that, that determines a lot. And then what are they doing with the money too? Cause they have a whole, a bunch of different options. They can do the loaning process and they charge interest, which is how they make money. They can also, uh, do investments too. So they can take the money you deposited and, invest it. Um, now investing is a broad, broad term. Uh, most banks, when they invest quote unquote, they are usually buying very safe assets like treasury bonds or fixed income products. Usually buying high risk stocks is, uh, kind of frowned upon because it's mm-hmm. so easy for it to go South, and but they so, could, they could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that was part of the 2008 problem with Lehman brothers is that they were making risky loans on those subprime mortgages and then they're investing their money back into it as well. So it was like a house of cards. It was just doomed from the beginning because of that, that reason. But even the more safe, is that what happened with signature bank and these couple banks because they were investing the quote unquote, really safe assets, the treasuries, Yeah. but then interest rates spiked Mm -hmm. when they raised interest rates nine or 10 times over the course of a year. (laughs) So then those old treasury notes that they invested in maybe six months or a year before were worth less and they kind of, that they kind of got themselves caught in that. Yeah. So here's a good example. Um, so person deposits money into your bank and you say, let's use the same $100. Um, we can add just a bunch of zeros because it's easy math that way. Mm-hmm. But $100 and they take 90 of it and deposit it into a uh, U.S. Treasury, which is just a loan to the U.S. government. And it pays you, say, 3%, maybe you know a couple of years ago. And you, and you lock it in for 10 years. But then they've been raising interest rates uh, since then. Yeah. And now that same uh, loan or loan to the government is paying four, four and a half percent. And so your 3% bond is going to naturally have a uh, price discount if you have to sell it. Uh, but if you keep until maturity, it's, it doesn't matter. You get your principal back. So, uh, so SVB bank had a bunch of those and they were just planning on holding it to maturity. And the problem they got into is they had to. <clears throat> make all those, uh, the, the, yeah, the withdrawals. Yeah. yeah they didn't, yeah. they had to facilitate all the withdrawals from the yeah. customers. And in order to facilitate that, they had to sell all those, those uh, fixed income products and they sold it at a massive loss. Okay. Um, and, and so that was part of the, the big issue there is, well, well, if you think about it, any bank would probably have trouble if everyone pulled out their money simultaneously because no bank has hundred percent of all the cash on hand. Yeah. That's just not how the system works. Or even close to 10% by what you were talking about, Glenn, right? I mean, uh, so classic yeah. run on the banks and people demand yeah. their money and get nervous and then force them to sell yeah. the assets they had at a discount. Yeah. And, um, 
I thought, I thought we learned as a nation not to do bank runs, but yeah. maybe we're learning it all over again. Cause any, like I said, any bank, um, it's going to put pressure on them mm-hmm. to, if every single person tries to pull out their money simultaneously, they're going to have to try and, you know, sell off a bunch of stuff and price out a loss, call in all their loans and notes. And it's just going to be a disaster. Now, some banks are better than others as far as, um, how much they keep in reserves. Sure. And so that's where the next, um, layer of, uh, when you're looking at a bank of what's important is, well, what are their, um, what do they have reserves on hand, um, that actually are available for, um, uh, deposits to make good on those or, mm-hmm. or sorry, uh, withdrawals. withdrawals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, SVB was like 93% of their assets or something like that was, um, uh, loaned out or invested. And so yeah, not like, liquid, not readily. Yeah. Accessible. They, they okay. had like seven or 8% yeah. um, available on hand. And well, so, then you had billionaire like funds and stuff going in and saying, I'm taking my money out. I think Peter Thiel was one of those. And, yeah. um, and then the next person's like, well, I, maybe I should do that because each bank account, the sticker's on the window, Glenn, yeah. $250,000, yeah. right. In, in, in insurance. So people would get nervous if they had more than that. Um, do you think it's over or, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. I saw Warren Buffett was talking about, Hey, he thinks more may be coming, but, uh, the feds moved pretty quick on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think in like, before they implemented the, uh, FDIC backstop, um, I'll have to double check the dates. I want to say it was in the early 1900s, but before that they were having like 10,000 banks fail per year. Mm -hmm. And then once they implemented the FDIC kind of as a fail safe, then they were like having 10, 10 or less banks fail per year. So it, that guarantee by the government and the, the federal reserve really brought a lot more safety and stability to the banking system. And so as you're alluding to, um, Silicon Valley bank, uh, one of the big names out there looks like they're going to get bailed out and they're going to get some help, um, from, uh, the federal reserve, the government and whether or not that's right or wrong is a different conversation, but that's kind of what it looks like is going to happen. And it happened in 2008 too. Yeah. They too big to fail is what they said. And they yeah. just bailed out the banks for what was really just bad behavior on their part. Okay. Let's get more into, and you're listening to intelligent investing with Glenn lease, um, the secondary market and how banks sell their loans, I guess, mm-hmm. when you make yeah. a loan. So I want to get into that a little bit more. Uh, and if you've got any questions for Glenn, give him a call at 928-225-2474. And you can always email as well, intelligent investing at wtwealthmanagement.com. Okay. So we, we talked a bit about how they get the deposits in and how they then can, um, loan out that money and they only keep a, a certain amount, usually 10% on the books or so, uh, charge interest on loans, um, mm-hmm. which means that the borrowers pay back. So, so talk, talk about that. You make a, you, you make a loan. You, you think a lot of times that they keep that on their books forever, that the bank, um, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm they're going to have it at Glenn's bank, for example. Yeah. A lot of times banks sell their loans okay. where they say they do a mortgage and they get it approved and you know, everything's good to go. And they may say as a bank, you know, really, we really don't want to hold this mortgage for the next 15, 20, 30 years. We'd rather just sell it to another institution, another financial institution, and just get um, all that money back. And, we'll, and maybe they'll make a little bit of money on the initial purchase, the upfront interest, that sort of thing. So that happens pretty commonly. Um, you may have even had that happen in your mortgage is that I all have, of a sudden yeah. <laughs> you see a different name on your mortgage statement. It means your, your loan was sold. Yeah. And so some I knew this actually from a car dealership I worked at a long time ago is they would make the loan. And then like 30 minutes later, they'd sell it's gone. It. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. sell it. as soon as it got approved They They did not want to hold that loan, which made me 
you know, wonder why, why didn't they want to hold that loan? Was it a bad loan or they just weren't in the business for long-term loans? I don't know, but they make some fees on the loan and they just get yeah, it off that their could books. Be it too. Yeah. Yeah. So the banking system, um, you know, they can also, uh, sell out those, those debt products, which they were doing in 2008, uh, 2008 is the CDOs and mortgage backed securities, all, all those kinds of things. Um, they're just selling the debt to other people. I remember a, a loan. Yeah. It was, um, bank X for example. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, then you get the first statement maybe from them. And then there was just somebody else. It's like, Oh, we're your, we're your mortgage holder now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Who are you? They just <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you don't, you're like, okay, I, I guess that's how it is now. Um, okay. So how do, before we go to break here, Glenn, um, how is new money created? Because yeah. we oftentimes think about the, the old printing press mm-hmm. it's just yep. zipping out new hundred dollar bills or $50 bills. Yep. Um, but there's another way. Yeah, so there's a printing press. There's a computer on the keyboard. Yeah, just add some zeros. <laughs> just add some zeros <laughs> at the, at the uh, Federal Reserve level. Um, the other way is through the banking system. Uh, the banking system actually creates a tremendous amount of new money. And so let's go back to that example of uh, $100 gets deposited. Uh, take 90 of it and loan it back out. Okay. That person takes the 90, you know, deposits, loan that back out and continue and so forth and so forth. And then all of a sudden now you have all these dollars that were created off of that original dollar. And so it actually creates money, um, by that process, by the fractional lending process itself, they can create new money out of kind of just thin air. Yeah. So, um, it's actually, I never knew that until a couple of years ago. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Banks actually create money. Yeah. They're the ones that do it through the commercial lending. They're the, they're the lending process. Yeah. through the, yeah. The, yeah. Just, they can do it through consumers, commercial yeah. mortgages, okay. you know, whatever they want to do. Cause, um, when they get that deposit back in after they've done the loan, now it comes back on their balance sheet as a positive and they can loan that back out. And then, you know, more gets added. So it's just this ongoing process of where they, you know, started with a hundred dollars, but then towards the end, maybe they have $175 yeah. um, because a bunch of how many times they loan. And you multiply that by, you mentioned all the banks that are yeah. in this country yeah. and every, in every community. Um, of, of course, it's not just your banks, you got credit unions, things like that. Yep. All um, the same. So yeah, yeah all, all really the same. Um, I, another topic we should probably do a, another time, Glenn, would be the, you know, how there's been a push for a central bank digital currency. <laughs> would that take out the commercial banks from creating this process and, and, you know, creating money, I guess, out of thin air. And then, then it's the, the, the federals, the feds just doing it directly all the time. Just food for thought. I mean, it's yeah, it's, yeah. because there's definitely a push for that right now. Yeah. If you change the dynamics of the fractional lending system, it'll definitely uh, make less dollars that are created uh, in that process. So if the federal government says, you know, we're going to have the fed dollar or the fed coin, whatever it may be. um, And that's the only way you can loan out. We'll just do all the loans. That seems really not up their alley. So this is a big task. I I wouldn't want to take on all the loans. Another another topic for another day. Well, let's get into uh, when we come back. Some of the other services that the banks actually offer, yeah. um, the guardrails, I guess, the su- supposed banking regulations and all <laughs> yeah. that that's supposed to protect everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Uh, give Glenn a call, uh, 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. And you can also email Intelligent Investing at WT Wealth Management. Don't go anywhere. we got a lot more to come back in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Give Glenn a call right now at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. More Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least when we come back. Welcome back. You're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Give Glenn a call, a call at 928-225-2474. Also email intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com. We're talking about the banking system. Next week, we'll get into the Federal Reserve a, a, a bit more. Uh, but before we move on, Glenn, talk about some of the guardrails that are supposed to be there with banking regulations. What other things do do we get from the banks? I mean, what are the, what are the services? Yeah, just so, kind of round out the whole yeah, topic. Yeah, the I mean, banks offer credit cards. They offer mortgages, uh, investments. Most banks do. Um, they also, uh, in addition to that, do payment processing. So you got your debit card or credit card. You swipe it at Starbucks. Starbucks says. You know, charge ten dollars and goes to the bank electronically. Yep, the funds are there. Process it through, so they facilitate the uh, sending of money electronically back and forth, um, and then even checks as well. The same thing, and so that's the other thing that they do. In addition to what we talked about, is not just the loans, the deposits, is uh, some of the other ancillary services. People and- still write checks. <laughs> I, I still have checkbooks. You still do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I see. I, yeah. I find their use occasionally. Um, My wife says we have some, one somewhere. <laughs> one singular check. Yeah, one check. <laughs> Just in case. They make a lot of money on those fees, on those debit and credit card transactions. Oh, yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, and some of them are 2%-ish. It can be as high as three for some credit cards. Um, and evidenced by if you've ever had a credit card and you do a cash advance or whatever, they charge you that three or 4% up front. Um, the other times when you're using your card, you may not see that 3% charge. It's because the merchant is absorbing that and raising their prices accordingly. Yeah. So yeah, the banks are definitely making money on the transactions. I mean, Visa and MasterCard are just absolutely monstrous. Raking companies. it in. Yeah. 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 And yeah. everything's really a little bit more two, 3% more if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause everybody uses that card even nowadays. Yep for a cup of coffee. It's hard. You rarely see people whipping out some change or a couple of dollars. Yeah. That's why you see those signs where it's like, if your purchase is less than $5, yeah. we're going to attack on 50 cents. Yeah. It's because of the minimum transaction fees that they incur. Like if you just buy a pack of bubble gum with uh, your debit card, <laughs> they get a little annoyed. Yeah. Probably losing money because yeah. there's like a, yeah, there's that minimum fee, like you said, and, and, and then cuts it, into their profit. Margin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So the guardrails, uh-huh. And banking regulations, and a lot of us, a lot of people listening are familiar with 2008 and how the system really failed. So there's supposed to be regulations out there that protect people from the failures and yeah. bad doings of, of banks if they get into trouble and invest in things and they're not, not supposed to. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. So one of the other jobs of the Federal Reserve is to oversee the banking system and make sure it's uh, there's stability in it. And so the Federal Reserve implements a number of um, criteria that the banks need to meet. Um 
And one of them is their capital requirements. So the minimum amount they need to have is that buffer. They'll say, okay, here's the amount of money you need to keep in case that you incur a loss on your investments, that sort of thing. Um, and then additionally, on top of that, it's liquidity requirements. Um, how much you actually have liquid available to make the deposits. Um, cause you can have say 10% available, um, for withdrawals. Uh, of your total assets, but you only need liquidity of say 5% because the other 5% is just sitting there as a buffer or, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So you've got your liquidity requirements. And then they also, the federal reserve manage uh, oversees banks and does a lot of risk management. So they look at what they're doing with those deposits that come in and say, are you being overly risky? And are you, um, being, uh, prudent with some of these, the dollars that are deposited in. And if they're too risky or they're overextended or they've been over lending, they will definitely, um, impose changes, you know, say, Hey, you're required to make these changes to your system. Um, and I think maybe in the last couple of years, they've been, more friends to the bank, you know, federal reserve was like all kind of buddy, buddy with a lot of the big banks mm-hmm. and banking systems. But in reality, they're, they're the overseers. They're the, you know, the supervisor, if you will, the boss. And so at times they got to, you know, take action say, we have to make a change here. Otherwise it's going to be a big problem. And sometimes so, I miss it. And then, but then sometimes Silicon Valley bank, which you mentioned, Glenn, they actually had to go in and say, we're taking over. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> By, by, by the federal reserve, not enforcing their policies more strictly, um, which is, I think what, what was kind of happening a little bit. Um, it just made it. So when banks run into trouble, the trouble is magnified yeah, because yeah. they're already yeah. kind of in a predicament, if you will. So, um, yeah, so those are some of the things the federal reserve is, you know, monitoring their risk, monitoring their liquidity, you know, monitoring their, um, reserve requirements and are they actually cash on hand? What are they doing with their deposits? Are they buying uh, treasury bonds or are they buying, um, stock in some tech startup company or yeah, something? Trying to make up the losses. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. So SVB was actually interesting because their loans were primarily to startup companies. In mm-hmm. fact, I think all about 50% of all startups, uh, in the United States got their funding from SVB. So that was like their bread and butter. Wow. Um, and, and startups are risky. Um, yeah. Hopefully you get your money back, but there's a chance it goes under and business fails and, you know, they default on the loan. So ramifications of that might be felt for a while as far as startups who were expecting money or maybe they're still doing it. They're still in in existence. The feds have just taken them over. But I wonder if that spigot kind of was cut off as far as funding uh, for a lot of startup companies going forward. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of the banks looked at that scenario and might get a little bit more gun shy yeah. as far as making riskier loans and just be a little bit more prudent because they, um, they don't want to have what happened to SVB happen to them. And, um, each, each, each bank, you know, has their amount that you can look it up, but like how much they have for reserve requirements, how much they're lending out, how much, you know, yada, yada, yada. And some banks are a lot stronger than mm-hmm. others. Uh, the big banks are in, you know, they're in good shape. Um, SVB was just, it was, it was pushing it to the absolute max and then some, yeah. um, the other thing I was going to say the federal reserve does is the, the FDIC, uh, insurance. And so that's the two fifty um, you know, deposit insurance. So that way if the bank goes under the, the, you know, federal reserve is basically saying, Hey, we'll back that, uh, you know, account for up to $250,000. And so, um, which through the gives, FDIC. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, that gives people more, um, 
confidence in the banking system. I mean, imagine if you went in to go deposit your money and they're like, well, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, you're out of luck. You're going to say, oh, I'm not going to deposit a bunch of money with you. And you could go under and I have no control over that and I lose all my money. Um, But if they have the FDIC guarantee, at least there's a backstop where um, you can limit some of those losses. And as long as you don't have over the threshold, you know, it's reasonably um, uh, the reasonable assumption is if the bank goes under that, you'll be just fine. You'll get your deposits back. All right. A lot on banking. And I, I always encourage, and you do Glenn as well to, um, subscribe to the podcast because you, you might want to listen back and catch something that what, wait, what was that? Yeah. And, uh, you've got a lot of episodes up there now. Mm-hmm. Um, look up intelligent investing on just about any podcast provider out there. Yeah. Um, also if you want to talk with Glenn, uh, always willing to have that conversation about your individual situation, you can call Glenn Lease at intelligent or at, at WT wealth management. Yeah. My, my, my things mixed up here at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. Um, or, uh, email intelligent investing at wtwealthmanagement.com. So next week, let's get into the, um, federal reserve. Yeah. I, I, we, we, I, we talked a lot about it today. Yeah. So I think the next logical step is talking about what they do as yeah. a whole. Yeah. Probably some history there as well. We yeah. should have a lot of stuff for you. Okay. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you soon. The following has been paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we've discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. (laughs) 